Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. In verse number 24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. Why do you go to school? Kids? To learn. The law in this verse was designed to bring us unto who? Christ. You go to school to learn. There's a designation. There's a reason why. Here, the reason why is that we might be justified by faith. That's been the whole theme through Galatians. That's not new news. But look here. It says the law was our schoolmaster. What's a master? Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. In Matthew chapter 8, a certain scribe came and said unto him, that's Jesus, and said, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. In the Old Testament, servants had masters. They had to follow the master's rule. A master is someone who rules. A master is someone who governs. A master is someone who directs now, i want to stop paul's in park right here because we've had an attack on our king james bible ever since people could attack it i believe that god keeps his promises and he's promised to preserve his word i believe that i can have it hold it read it believe it and obey it just like you can have it hold it read it believe it and obey it we've got it in our hands that we can read and believe a lot of these modern versions, they'll change words, they'll change sayings, they'll take things out, they'll add things. The NIV, the NASB, and the ESV, they all say in this verse, the law was our guardian. Well, the law is not designed to guard us. A guardian, that's from the root word guard, one who guards, one who preserves, one who secures. The RSV says the law is our custodian. It's from the root word custody. Or guardianship. <laughs> the law's like, you got this custodian out there sweeping the floors. Look, the King James Bible had it right. I'm going to just give you some others that have translated it schoolmaster. We've got our, 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 our authorized version. God's kept his promise. He's preserved his word. And if someone doesn't believe it's in the King James, well, then trade me something. Tell me which one you've got that's absolutely perfect. Most of them can't trade up. But here's some others that have translated schoolmaster, just to have some uh, knowledge um, about this. Tyndale in 1525, Coverdale's Bible in 1535, Matthew's Bible in 1549, the Bishop Bible in 1568, the Geneva Bible in 1599, Bayes' New Testament in 1599. They all had it translated right as schoolmaster. Wesley's New Testament in 1755. Webster's 1833 translation. You didn't know he had one, did you? Had it right. Schoolmaster. The Calvin Bible, 1855. Schoolmaster. The Revised New Testament, actually, in 1862. Had it right. In, in 1979, the New King James Bible had it right as schoolmaster. But 1982, the New King James changed it to the word tutor. It's amazing how these modern versions always accuse the Bible, the King James Bible as well, it was changed. And it really was, and it was just 
a font was changed, a spelling was corrected, a printing error. And we don't have time to go through all of that this morning. We'll do that at a later point. But when these modern versions, they can just take liberty and change it when they want. And it just don't fit with me. When someone corrects the Bible, their thinking is flawed. When someone corrects the Bible, their opinion is flawed. When someone corrects the Bible, their correction is flawed. They don't really believe any Bible is completely pure and without error. They don't believe that anybody can truly, really have an accurate rendering of God's word in their hand. And that is the view that they want you to take so that you have to listen to so that they have to listen to you as the authority on God's word instead of God's word being the authority on me and you and us. It's a philosophy. It's a way of thinking. I'll give you some more uh, by way of knowledge here. John Gill, commentator, said the law was our schoolmaster. His comments on this is the sense of the passage is that the law performed this office of a schoolmaster until the coming of Christ which shows that till the time the church was in its minority, that the Jews were but children in knowledge and understanding and therefore stood in need and were under the care of a schoolmaster, the law, by which the whole Mosaic administration is designed. Gill goes on to say in his comments, besides the instruction the law gave, it made use of discipline as a schoolmaster does. It kept a strict eye and hand over them and them close to the performance of their duty. Uh, I'll finish on some of his comments. Gill says, moreover, the law being called a schoolmaster shows that the use of it was but temporary and its duration but for a time. This is interesting. Children are not always to be under nor designed to be always under a schoolmaster. Matthew Henry, in his remarks, he says, the law was their schoolmaster to bring them to Christ, that they might be justified by faith, as it declared the mind and will of God concerning them, and at the same time denounced a curse against them for every failure in their duty. So it was proper to convince them of their lost and undone condition in themselves, and to let them see the weakness an insufficiency of their own righteousness to recommend them to God. And as it obliged them to a variety of sacrifices, etc., which they, which though they could not of themselves take away sin, were typical of Christ and of the great sacrifice, which he was to offer up for the expiation of it. So it directed them, though in a more dark and obscure manner, to him as their only relief and refuge. And thus it was their, here it is, schoolmaster. To instruct and govern them in their state of minority. That's, what, uh, that's, that's Henry. John Wesley says this. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster unto Christ. It was designed to train us up for Christ. And this it did both by its commands. Which showed the need we had of his atonement. And its ceremonies, which all pointed us to him, its schooling us. Calvin, John Calvin says this, a schoolmaster is not appointed for the whole life, but only for childhood. He really reiterates with some of uh, the other 
comments are made. Besides, in training a child, the object is to prepare him by the instructions of childhood or mature years. And so he adds that it was our schoolmaster unto Christ. The grammarian, when he has trained a boy, delivers him into the hands of another who conducts him through the higher branches of a finished education. In like manner, the law was the grammar of theology. Now, that's pretty good. Now, I'm not a Calvinist, but when John Calvin has something right, just go with it. (laughs) You know, when he has something wrong, don't go with it. When I have something right, it's from the Bible, go with it. When I have something wrong and it ain't, then don't go with it. Uh, In like manner, law was the grammar of theology, which, after carrying its students a short way, handed them over to the faith to be completed. Thus, Paul compares the Jews to children and us to advanced youth. Look, the law was our schoolmaster. No room whatsoever for compromise concerning sin. The law says this. You got to do it 100%, 100% of the time. No room for compromise. The only one that can keep it, Christ himself. There's no room whatsoever for escape from our sin, except through the promised deliverer, Jesus Christ, who kept all of the law. The law was the strict master teacher, the schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Let's go back to the Bible. And we are in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. We need to move on to bring us unto Christ. Now, here's it. Here it is. That we might be justified by works? No. By science? No. By religion? No. By repeating a mantra over and over that all beliefs have merit. We can all get to God? No. That we might be justified by faith. Let's go over that again. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. The Bible says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Galatians chapter 3, Look at verse number six. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with Faithful Abraham, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curse everyone that continueth not the things written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law. In the sight of God it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. That's the point. And the law is not of faith. But. The man that doeth them shall live in them. 
And then lastly, look at Galatians 3.22, and then we'll pick back up where we stopped. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that work for it? No. That merit it? No. That do enough good works? No. That believe. 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 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is impossible to be justified before God by any other way. And this is where Paul, at the end of Galatians in chapter 3, he closes out his argument with justification by faith. He's laying out his closing arguments. Works add nothing and works improve nothing. The Bible says in Romans 3, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world become guilty before man. No, before God, we're guilty. I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty as you are guilty. The whole world. We need to stop looking within for hope. We need to stop looking to other people for hope. We need to stop looking in all of these different religions for hope. Hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. We must come to him by faith. Genesis 22, 8 says, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself. A lamb. The sacrificial lamb. Look only to the savior provided by God. Himself and by faith, Abraham believed God when God said he would provide himself a lamb. And he did. Abraham by faith believed that. Believed that. What a picture! What a picture to the lamb that was slain. God provided himself. Not a list of laws, rules, and commands for us to keep that we couldn't keep. He provided himself the sacrificial, perfect lamb that was slain. Praise his holy name. Galatians 3.25. Let's read into it from verse 24. Wherefore, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ that we might be justified by faith. And here's what we'll look at next. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. If a Jew was to be led to saving faith in Christ, it would be by the law. Now, we had the opportunity to, we door knocked, and uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, and it was me and Cheyenne on this one. They were Jews. North Jersey, I expect it. New York, you expect it. That, that area, um, a very, very, very big Jewish population. We used to take a lot of red-eye flights to come back. We were working tournaments at a Newark airport and LaGuardia airport. And almost all the time, almost all the time, half that plane was Jews. Line at night. Big population. 
down down here. I didn't expect to ever run into, but there's Jewish population. How are you going to convince that Jew that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? It ain't by going to Romans and John. You got to go to the Old Testament. Because they don't believe the New Testament. You're going to have to go to Zechariah. You're going to have to go to Isaiah 53. You're going to have to spend time about Abraham. You're going to have to spend some time in what they believe. That's what they know. That's what they were brought up with. That's what they believe to be true. And it was the training that these Jews had in the law that would point them unto Christ. The law. What does it do? A few things. It restrains. It says, no, no, no. <laughs> That's what the law says. Thou shalt not. Then it has a moral code. And that moral code shows you and me that we're in danger because of sin. And that condemning power should point us. It should prepare us for the pardon that is offered through Christ Jesus, the Lord. Not only was it necessary for Jews back then, but it's applicable and necessary. Still current today in 2020, believe it or not, 2020, it's still applicable. The law will tell you no, and its moral code will show you you need to be pardoned. And number three, the law should introduce you to Christ. Now let's go over to Hebrews chapter number nine. The Jews missed this shadowing and this figuring when it came to Christ. And they still miss it today. That doesn't mean we don't use the law in the Old Testament to point them to Christ. It's just that they're missing this shadowing and figure. Hebrews chapter 9. I read them John 3. The man said to me, I've never heard that before. What does that say? I went on to read him. It was like John 3 from, from verse 7. I read him all the way down to almost verse number 19. Never heard it before. Hebrews 9, look what it says. Verse number 8. We're finding fault. Uh, no, no, no. Verse. Let, let me start this again. Hebrews 9. I'm going so fast I lost myself. Verse number 8. Hebrews 9, 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifies. That the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a, look at it, figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the perfect, that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, 
But by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats, the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the puring of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this case, cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, with the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance or where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. The law introduces you to Christ. All those laws, all those sacrifices, all of that was a shadowing and of a prefiguring of Christ to come. Now, back in Galatians 3, let's look at the first blessing that we can glean as Paul, under the Holy Spirit's guidance and inspiration, closes out his arguments regarding justification by faith. You feel like we've been on justification by faith for a while? How do you think the Galatians felt? Paul's not leaving any stone unturned, but he's closing out now, and he says in verse number 25, but after... That faith has come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster. So you don't need a schoolmaster. That's the first blessing. Why don't we need a schoolmaster? Well, because those of us that have by faith trusted Christ, we're not under the law anymore. <laughs> Do you see how that word, when we're thinking about this now, how it was, they got it right? Child doesn't stay under a schoolmaster. We're not under a schoolmaster. That's the first blessing. Look what it says. But after that faith has come, your fit, what faith? You and I's faith in Jesus Christ. Look at the contrast of verse 23. Um, do you see verse 25 in the beginning where it says, but after that faith? Look at verse number 23 for the contrast. But before faith came. So verse 23, but before faith came. Go down to verse 25. There's the contrast. But after that, faith has come. We're no longer under a schoolmaster. The law before condemned you and I. It doesn't condemn you and I anymore. The law before controlled you and I. But it doesn't control you and I anymore. We're not under it. We are now free. To live an abundant life in Jesus Christ. That means you are free to live in Christ. That means you are free to live righteously. You are free to live holily. You are free to live pure lives. Why? Because of your new life in Christ. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I can just now do whatever I want. I'm not in the law. Why would it doesn't even make sense? How do you put that together? Yeah, saved by the blood, I'm saved, I'm not going to hell, my sins are forgiven. Yeah, now I can go live like the devil. Why? You were just saved from the devil. 
Why would anybody want to be saved from hell and death and sin and the devil and then go live like the devil as a Christian? The two are polar opposites. You are sure you can live however you want. God's a gentleman and he'll let you. But ultimately, doctrinally, we are free to live holy and righteous now because we're in Christ. We get the power from his Holy Spirit. Now go over to Titus chapter 2. I want to stop Paul's and park and glean something here. Titus chapter number 2, first, second Timothy, and then Titus 2, 11. The Bible says, People want to lock themselves into the bondage of the world's legalistic system. I'm not a legalistic preacher. I'm not going to tell you you have to do anything to keep your salvation. I'm not going to tell you you have to do anything to merit righteousness. If you've put your faith in the valued object of Jesus Christ, you're saved. Now I'm going to tell you. Why don't you tap into the Holy Spirit and live as holy and as righteously as you can? Why? Because God's going to snuff you out? No, because why wouldn't you want to? <laughs> it's developing the want to is where I believe we should be at. But this world has a legalistic system of laws and rules that they want you to follow. And if you don't follow their legalistic laws and rules and ordinances and all the rest of it, you are somehow ostracized and preached against. <laughs> well, why don't you talk like that? Why don't you act like that? Why don't you dress like that? Why don't you listen to these songs? Why don't you watch these movies? Why don't you? Because uh, I'm in Christ <laughs> and you're in the world. And why don't you get on the winning side? Well, look what it says in Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God, nobody's saved but by God's grace. That bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. I don't know. I don't really care what Greek text you go to. All means what it means. <laughs> you, can Greek you can Greek tweak this as much as you want. God made salvation appear to all who would receive it. Now, some aren't going to receive it. But he made it appear. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Well, why can't I watch that? Uh, it's ungodly. <laughs> why can't I dress like that? Because you're naked and it's ungodly. Does anybody care about living godly anymore? $15 to watch a Hollywood movie straight out of the sewers of hell for teenage boys and girls to get a, a false definition of love. It's junk. God can save you. Guess what he can do? He can teach you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. There's a lot of lust in this world. People get wrapped up in their business and their jobs so much that's just the lust of materialism. 
that we should live, here it is, soberly. Well, I don't drink liquor. Well, what consumes your mind all the time? <laughs> Have a sober mind. Righteously. It's easy to cheat in this world. We have a man that just might become the president of our united, divided states of America by cheating. The whole outfit cheated. And there's, but there's no evidence. Dead people are on the roll, but there's no evidence. Eyewitnesses have seen votes been changed, but there's no evidence. They've cheated. They didn't do it right. You didn't win right. If you do steroids and then you come and fight me in my weight class and you win, you cheated. It's an illegitimate win and you're not doing it the right way. God says live righteously. You want to run for president as a Christian? Do it right. Don't cheat. Don't get billionaires and big tech and all this junk. And Hollywood and and get them to cheat for you. It's not right. And if he won by doing it right, then okay, great. Be the president. But don't cheat to win. It ain't what God wants. Yeah, we're going to have America back. Back to what? Well, that was a fun rabbit trail. <laughs> 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 you just you gave me some more vigor. <laughs> we want to do things righteously and godly. And here's how, and God tells us that we can do it. We can't forget this phrase in this present world. That means in a world full of unrighteous, ungodly, unsober people, we can do it in this present world. And here's how. If, verse 13, we look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we look down here, we're going to get depressed. We need to look for the glorious appearing. Now, here's a, here's a plug for tonight's service. We're going to wrap up 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Three verses. And we're going to address what the last verse means. What the coming is, where the coming. So there's the plug. You can't make it tune into Facebook or the internet. But for the purpose of today's message, our focus has to be on the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus. Or we will just look down here and see all the ungodliness, all the world we lost, all the stuff we talked about. And we're going to go bonkers. <laughs> So look up. All right, let's finish up. We got one more verse, four more pages of notes. So, <laughs> so Galatians chapter number three, verse number 26. The Bible says, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We all become children of God the same way. Four, you want the reason why you're no longer under the schoolmaster? It's this verse. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Why are you not under the law? Because you're a child of God by faith. That's why. And then it says, ye are all. 
Oh man, these yees. They just mess you up, don't they? Whew. It's so hard that a fourth grader can figure it out, but I got to get my spot because I want to show you a little contrast here. There we go. We have a shift from we to ye. I want you to notice this because this is particularly important. Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 23. It says, but before faith came, it says, we were kept under the law. Galatians 3.24, look what it says. Wherefore the law is our schoolmaster bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Look at verse number 25. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Well, who's the we? The context would primarily be the Jews. Galatians 3.16, look what it says. Here's the context. Back all the way back to verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Who's the we? The primary context of the we is the Jews. So we have a shift from the we to the ye. Well, who's the ye? All Galatian believers. Everybody. Ye. Paul, he's bringing his closing arguments to not just include we as Jews. Paul's speaking to the Jews. We, okay. But ye as well. All. Jews and Gentiles, all of us, how do we become children of God? The same way, by faith in Jesus Christ. It's the same way. We don't want to change any of the words because all of the words have some meaning, have some contrasting. We saw that in Schoolmaster. Now we see it when we have children of God. Children, right? We, when, we, when we read all what the commentators had said, we saw the contrast in the before and the after, verse 23 and verse 25. Now we're seeing the contrast of the Jews and now the Gentiles when Paul's saying the we. And all of a sudden there's this shift to now ye. Pretty neat. Last thing I'd like to bring, oh, two more points. We're going to look at children of God. And here's why it's important to look at these matters. I know we didn't get far, but New American Standard Bible says sons and daughters. And daughters is italicized, which is interesting because one of the attacks on the Bible is, well, they have italicized words, and that means they were added. Well, you didn't seem to have a problem with italicized words. <laughs> the arguments don't work both ways. You ever argue with somebody where it, it, the rules don't apply to them? <laughs> this is Bible correcting. The New King James and the ESV say sons of God. The authorized version, children of God, has it correct. It does fit perfectly with the context of schoolmaster. Children, school, they don't stay on the in school, they don't stay on the law, but we already went through that. Finally, we are not children of God through learning the law. That would be our faith would be misplaced in the law. We don't become a child of God through family heritage. That means being a Jew. Our faith would be in our family lineage. Well, my family's a Christian. Well, my dad's a preacher. Well, my mom's a Christian worker. Can't get in that way. We're not a child of God through being a Gentile. The Bible says in verse 26, for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 
It doesn't say by faith because someone can say, well, I've got faith. So I'm a child of God. No, you're not. What is your faith in? What's the object of your faith? Is it religion? Will I go to such and such a church? Is it I received a sacrament? I was baptized. Is it, well, my family has always brought me the church? No, those are all objects of faith. But they are not by faith in Jesus Christ. They are in other things. There is an object of faith that has a much, much higher and greater, greater value than being a Jew or a Gentile or family heritage or have, making a sacrament, a personal sacrifice to God will merit you nothing. It might get you a certificate. It might get you some guy that signs a piece of paper that says you're part of our church now. It might get you some status in that congregation. Might get you some status in that town. Well, I go to such and such church. Yeah, you might make some business contacts. You might make some deals. You might have some high class people who have your family know and they know. You'll get all that. And there's some benefit to that down here. But it's not going to marry me or you anything in the sight of God. Because our faith must be placed in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.